0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your
1: Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
0: And my name is Julie Douglas.
1: And, uh, you know, guys, we have to have sponsors. And this episode is sponsored in part by the number seven. Uh, Big sponsors. We're really happy to have landed uh, this particular number Mm -hmm. uh, as a sponsor because it's, uh, it's pretty magical.
0: It's a magical, mystical number that we see in nature, we see in culture, it's everywhere. Um, in fact, you could say that the number seven is just one of the underpinnings that we use to piece together reality for us.
1: Yeah, it's easy to think of uh, numbers as completely arbitrary, uh, especially as we take in the world around us and apply these different values to things. But in this episode, we're going to stop for a second and think, huh, maybe there, maybe there is something to all of this seven uh, magic.
0: It's true, because when you start to consider the number seven and its relevance in society, and again, the way that we organize life, you begin to see a pattern. And so the question becomes, is just uh, just our brains pattern recognition machinery, or is seven somehow uh, just branded into our brains? And so we're going to try to tease that out a little bit Yeah. without starting any sort of seven conspiracy theories.
1: No, yeah, we're not going to get into... Um into numerology, and particularly in this uh, podcast, or at least we're not going to advocate it. But we will discuss a number of the things that do occur in sevens in nature, mm-hmm. in culture, in history, in pop culture. Um, we're not, it's not going to be a comprehensive list by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I think we're going to fit a lot of stuff on there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's begin with nature. We've got the okay. seven seas, the seven continents, the seven colors in a rainbow.
1: That's right, Roy G. Biv. Seven colors. Indeed. Most uh, mammals have necks with seven bones in them. If you look at the periodic table, uh, what do you find? Uh, number of rows is seven.
0: True. The neutral pH value that lies between acidity and alkalinity is seven.
1: And should we bet on seven? Is seven, uh, seven a good gambling number? It is. Yes.
0: Turns out, you know, it's uh, you're nine. You're
1: two dice, right? Right.
0: Two die. Nine, you know, a bit too high. Uh, five, a bit too low. But seven, just right. So it's kind of like the Goldilocks of numbers. Yes. You often hear, too, that by age seven, the blueprint for adulthood is, is in place, that a child' personality is set in stone. In fact, there's a whole documentary series based on this idea, and uh, the first episode in the series is called 7-Up. I don't know if you've seen this before, but it's, uh, it's a series uh, in so. the U.K. that follows these children at age seven, and mm-hmm. then every seven years... Oh, I have heard of this. Yes. Yeah, I think they go, I I'm not quite sure what age they go up to, but um, well into to the, the middle ages of, of these kids. And it's fascinating to see uh, really how very little these kids have changed, that truly by age seven, there's something that is set uh, with the personality.
1: Huh. Not to be confused, though, with The Seven Ups, the Roy Schneider follow-up to The French Connection, different film entirely. Or the drink. Or the drink, yes. Um, now, of course, when we start getting into culture, this is where the list really gets uh, pretty expansive. So um, you, you'll have to stop me once I get going on this. But uh, just to, to go back and forth a little bit, there are, of course, seven holy virtues and seven deadly sins. We talked about both of those in our uh, seven deadly sins uh, series that we did on the science behind each one.
0: Mm-hmm. And, of course, there are seven virtues.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And, of course, uh, if you look back at religious texts, you will see that seven shows up quite a bit. It's uh, it's quite a fortuitous number. And uh, if you look at, of course, the Bible, there is that God created the earth in seven days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, that has to do with their, the way we arrange our week, seven days a week, right? Right. Um, seven
1: chakras seven uh, to chakras. get into the yoga, which we also uh, did a podcast about, a couple of podcasts, actually.
0: In the Islamic tradition, there are seven heavens and seven earths. And the number of fires in hell and the numbers of doors to both the heaven and the hell is also seven.
1: Yeah, yeah. various various uh, maps of hell include uh, seven levels, uh, some a little more, some a little less. Um, among the Babylonians, Egyptians, and other ancient peoples, there were thought to be seven planets. Uh, the Hebrew verb for swear means literally to come under the influence of seven or Beersheba. Um, again, you said there's seven days in creation. Likewise, there are seven uh, divisions of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the seventh son of a seventh son will often turn out to be, um, what, magical or Catholic or your boss, right? <laughs> right. Is our boss the seventh son of a seventh son?
0: I don't know. I'm still thinking about the swear words, and now I'm beginning to think about George Carlin and his seven swear words that you cannot say on TV.
1: Ha there were seven mules for sister sarah <laughs> if you want to go into uh, into movies um seven notes on the musical scale in the apocalypse the uh, the christian apocalypse alone we have seven chronicles of asia seven candlesticks seven stars seven trumpets seven spirits before the throne of god seven horns seven vials seven plagues a seven-headed monster a lamb with seven eyes because the book of revelation is a, is essentially one big death metal album cover um <laughs> In uh, Spanish myth and fable, you have the island of seven cities, uh, where seven bishops fled uh, the Moors in Spain to found these seven cities that supposedly existed. Uh, I mean, not really. It's a myth. Uh, Seven gifts of the spirit. Uh, In Japanese folklore, there are seven gods of luck, Uh, seven hills of Rome, seven joys of Mary, seven sacraments. Uh, seven senses. This is interesting. An ancient notion that the soul of man is comprised of seven properties under the influence of, again, those seven planets that we mm-hmm. mentioned. And likewise, the dark lord Voldemort divided his soul into seven horcruxes. You might remember that part. Yep. Um, there are seven Abgal, the Sumerian guardian water spirits who are kind of like mermen. Seven Naga are often seen behind Buddha or uh, the same with uh, Shisha. Do uh, you see this in various, like, Hindu and Thai art? We were just art. talking about
0: the Naga. This is mm-hmm. the serpent-like creature?
1: Yeah, especially in Thai art, They're crazy cool because it's like a serpent, and then there's kind of a serpent coming out of its head and mm-hmm. out of its head. Um, really beautiful, um, often you know, golden uh, in appearance. Seven dwarves, uh, seven samurai, seven brides for seven brothers. There was a seven-year itch. There are seven Narnia books, House of the Seven Gables. Uh, there were uh, the oh, devs, a seven-headed demonic giant in Armenian folklore. Um. Oh, what else do I have on this list? I think there was. There's more. Oh well, I had to eventually just stop, um, <laughs> because it just it just kept kept going and going. Yeah, but that's all all I'm going to get into right now.
0: <laughs> well, of course, and that makes me think about why we put so much importance on the number seven because it pops up everywhere, and you begin to ascribe uh, luck to it, fortitude to it. And uh, in fact, I was thinking about when you're in Las Vegas or, or really any casino for that matter, the winning number, of course, is. Seven, triple seven, that is what is going to make the coins rain into your pocket
1: seven seven seven,
0: but uh here's the thing before you start brushing your teeth seven times or stirring your coffee seven times in a ritual way to to invoke the gods of luck, just consider that this is cultural and it doesn't necessarily mean in every culture that it is a good sign of of things to come,
1: yeah, a lot of it comes down to how we are this with these. Natural number crunchers, we're we're always trying to to find meaning in the world around us. And we've talked about this uh, a lot in the past and about how this can bleed over into various supernatural beliefs and supernatural understandings of the world as we try to, uh, as our pattern-recognizing minds just chew up all the data. And so we have all of the sense data around us, and then we we put all this culture over everything. We apply uh, various numbers to everything. Mm -hmm. And so it follows that we're going to end up attaching uh, varying uh, degrees of meaning to different things that occur in different numbers.
0: Well, and seven, too, is just something that I think shows up um, in different types of media, too, because linguistically, it is the only single digit with two syllables, right? Hmm. So it just kind of falls off the tongue more smoothly. So you have uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves.
1: Yeah, Snow White and the Five Dwarves, Snow White and the Six Dwarves. It doesn't work as well. Yeah. Or the, the the five samurai, the eight samurai, it, it doesn't really work.
0: No, no, the seven yeah. samurai. There's a pleasure in saying it. Yeah. right?
1: it's a, you get into that a lot too. With uh, we were talking about this yesterday, uh, particularly in China, it, uh, there's a lot of uh, influence. Um, particularly in China, there's a lot of emphasis on what a number sounds like. So, like the number four sounds like the word for death, and uh, and therefore is uh, to be avoided.
0: Right, so there is a good measure of magical thinking going on here when we talk about the number seven. And maybe
1: in the English language, seven sounds like the word heaven.
0: Seven heaven? There was
1: even a show about this, Seventh Heaven, which was, I think, just all about numerology.
0: All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. We are going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we are going to see if this whole idea of the number seven as being this mystical, magical number is somehow locked into our brains. There's some sort of secret there about why we hurt it so much.
1: So we're back. We're talking about the number seven, what it means to us. And we've mostly just rattled through various uh, cultural, historical, geographic, uh, a little science, a little uh, what have you there, all the different things that we attach seven to and why we think it's a Pretty cool number, but is there more to that? Is there something? Uh, is there something going on uh, inside the human mind that's deeper than that? Well, so there's this idea that uh, when it comes to remembering numbers, rattling them back out again, uh, we basically have a seven limit on that, uh, give or take a two. And certainly, there are individuals with outstanding limits to that who can rattle off, uh, you know, pi to the uh, oh, to the ridiculous degree, sixty-seven thousand eight hundred ninetieth digit. If you're uh, Chao Lu uh who uh, holds the Guinness uh, World Record for a sighting pie but for the most part uh we're 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 hitting significantly lower than that um, and uh, you know if you think of anything like your social security number or your phone number uh it is worth noting that you remember you're maybe remembering a digit a number longer than seven, but you're remembering it generally in like three different numbers.
0: Yeah, I was going to point out uh, a little interesting anecdote here, and uh, this is our video producer and editor, Tyler, was mm-hmm. telling me that when he memorized pie in school, that he did it in chunks of seven.
1: Interesting. So yeah.
0: again, it plays this idea of anything you you can memorize, but it, these chunks of seven, sort of like when we talked about um the rooms the memory recall rooms that we create in our mind mm-hmm. it's that same sort of idea where if you can just make this definitive chunk, then you can recall it a lot better and this is an idea that George Miller had
1: yes, uh, he wrote this excellent uh, at times very confusing paper i find it's not it's not <laughs> necessary you know it's not like straight up um, something you know something you would find on a Twitter feed and go and just you know consume it over lunch it, he gets a little heady and a little Mathematical. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's awesome, but it's uh it, you can get lost in it uh, a bit. Or I can. Uh, s- title of the article is uh, "The Magical Number Seven Plus or Minus Two: Colon, Some Limits on Our Capacity for Processing Information." And in this, uh, he starts off by pointing out that there is a clear and definite limit to the accuracy with which we can identify absolutely the magnitude of unidimensional stimulus variable. Uh, there's a s- span of absolute judgment. Uh, and part of that is that there is a uh, that there is a finite span of immediate memory, and uh, that for a lot of different uh, kinds of test materials, this span is about seven items in length. All right. So we've already hit this seven items I can remember. I mean, I, I have trouble remembering like three things if I need to pick them up at the grocery store. But ideally, I should be able to remember seven
0: right. If you had to really sit there and concentrate, you could do it. And we'll get into why you can concentrate. For such a limited amount of time. But before we do that, I was just wanted to mention that uh, if you look at memory as this kind of house of memory, mm-hmm. you see that on one side you have, you know, long-term memory, which is like a library which a bunch with a bunch of books of your memories that you can recall uh, whenever you want, right? Just slip them off the shelf. Look up what you want, right?
1: Yeah, change them and then put them back.
0: Right, long-term memory. Yeah. But your short-term memory is more like a whiteboard where you kind of have a cheat sheet to keep up with the conversation or to remember directions. Right. And so it's just kind of there to help you create some sort of association uh, with what the present topic is, right? Yeah. So if you look at someone like Mikhail Rabinovich and his uh, research into neural pathways, you begin to see this idea that seven bears out just in the way that we have um, our neural pathways paved for us and the limits, really, of our processing when we're working with that whiteboard, that working memory.
1: Yes, he was one of the authors on this paper that uh, presented a mathematical picture of how neurons fire mm-hmm. when we recall a sequence of steps. And uh, one of the examples used here is is, is that it's like running across a tightrope like you're a tightrope yeah. walker. No, well, not mm-hmm. even a walker, because uh, a walker can take his time and go back and forth between uh, the, the World Trade Center buildings. But uh, but this is the idea that that you, you do not have that ability. You don't have the big pole. What can you do? You just have to sort of speed up and go with it. How long can you go across that tripwire without falling off?
0: Yeah, and that tripwire is that neural pathway, right? And uh, what Rabinovich discovered is that when a person recites a sentence or a list, you can actually see an excited cluster of neurons fire for each word. And then these excited clusters create a pathway, okay, that Mm -hmm. that tightrope pathway. And at the same time, they tamp down any other competing neurons, okay? So the competing neurons are really like any other memories or any other thoughts that you might be having at the same time, okay? Which is really important. When I was saying earlier that you could really do it if you concentrated, you could recall seven things, That's what we're talking about, is these excited clusters telling everybody to step off, right? So the longer the sentence or the string of numbers you try to recall, the harder it is for those excited cluster of neurons to suppress the others from firing. And then the weaker the pathway, and then the lousier your your memory. So really what you're seeing here, again, is a mathematical model, as you say, a picture of the seven idea at play in your brain.
1: Yeah, this is really interesting, and it, it ties right back into what I was talking about, uh, remembering three things to pick up at the grocery versus yeah. remembering seven. And uh, as they point out in this article, uh, recalling seven uh, items requires about 15 times the suppression needed to recall three. And suppression, again, like you say, forcing all the other thoughts and competing thoughts out of your head so that you can remember things. Mm-hmm. Ten more items requires 50 times the strength, and 20 or more items requires uh, hundreds of times the strength. So even in, in the, the jump from three items to seven items, mm-hmm. you see this, this pretty big jump in the, uh, the, the amount of memory uh, you're going to have to throw at it. The, amount, the, the cognitive load and the cognitive ramifications of trying to remember things.
0: Well, and it's interesting to put a number on that cognitive load. We've talked about that a lot of times mm-hmm. um, when we're talking about uh, free will or... or...
1: Well, one of the studies we looked at um, actually involved individuals having to remember a number. Mm-hmm. And then they were introduced to the temptation of chocolate cake. And the individuals who had to hold the, the the longer number in their in their head, which, as I recall, was somewhere in the the uh, in the neighborhood of uh, seven or eight digits, mm-hmm. they had a harder time remembering it if they were introduced uh, with this to this cake temptation.
0: What I think is so interesting is I wonder if those neurons that are firing those competing ones are like chocolate cake, chocolate cake, chocolate cake. Yeah, like literally saying that to the excited cluster that's trying to recall the actual string of numbers.
1: Yeah, every time this is probably horrible, but every time I, I think about this about like. Our limits on remembering numbers. I think of the movie Running Man because there was the uh, you know the old Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. movie because there was a scene in that where the good guys had to remember some sort of code and mm-hmm. then input it and it was a pretty long code but they had one character that was supposed to be a math whiz or something I guess and he was able to hold all these numbers in his head but I always found that that part kind of terrifying because I'm like oh my goodness that number is so long how can anybody remember it
0: now if um, certain uh, certain types of autism. It will actually allow for people to have stronger mm-hmm. pathways and recall a greater number of uh, numbers, and then just some people in general can can sort of break that seven rule.
1: Yeah, and certainly if you uh, if you bust out the memory palace on it, then uh, then you can really go far with it.
0: Right. Again, there's that idea of storing seven, you know, having a chunk of seven and storing maybe five chunks of seven. Yeah. Uh, so that you can really roll out an impressive amount of items. Um, now I wanted to also mention this really cool study about neurons and dendrites. Um, and I do want to say that it doesn't mean that you know the brain is um that the, the brain especially loves the number 7 but it, it does kind of give you pause for thought because researchers Meliori, Navora and Togola published a 2008 study on neurons in the uh, hippocampus. And, of course, this is the memory input unit of the brain. The study showed that neurons produce the best information when they're dendrites, the branches of a neuron that receive stimulation, when those branches numbered seven.
1: Hmm.
0: So, again, here's this idea that this uh, sort of recall fitness has a limit, has a limit within the, the neuron structure itself, uh, within the pathway that these neurons create, And then within our own ability to recall information. And, of course, that brings up this crazy idea of, well, if we keep ordering the world in sevens, you know, is is it the tail wagging the dog? Is that because that's the way our brains are constructed?
1: Yeah. Do we end up falling into the trap of seven rather than actually um, applying it logically?
0: Yeah. Is it more to it than just, uh, you know, a a linguistic lovely sound of seven? Yeah. Yeah. That say, oh, it's because our, our brains have a constraint on them.
1: Uh, you know, I, I can't help but think that seven also appeals to us in numbering things because uh, seven being an odd number, you have that uh, you have that room for one of the digits to be a leader. You know. I guess, you know, you have it in five as well. You you have it in nine, but it seems most clear in seven because you have, I can easily picture like seven dudes. You have the one dude in the middle and he's flanked by three on each side, but you have one that stands out. Or if it's a body of seven voting on something, then you have room for there to be a clear majority uh Pretty easily.
0: Well, there's a certain kind of natural symmetry to it. Yeah, it's right? a,
1: it's a very symmetrical number. You can just picture it there on a movie poster. And
0: aesthetically too, it's it's better to have seven objects displayed than yeah uh, six.
1: Yeah, and and the the numeral is pretty uh pretty sexy too. You know, it, it looks kind of like a like a weapon, like or like a hockey stick. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit weird about saying, yeah, and it's got a long neck. I mean, like, now I'm getting into some weird territory
1: yeah, here. Probably so.
0: I like it because I can... uh Seven is an odd number, but eventually if I add another seven to it, it's an even number. I don't know if anybody has this sort of particular numbers obsession.
1: Oh, wait, wait. So so break this down for us again, your number obsession, how it works?
0: Well, I I like even numbers, mm-hmm. and I like getting to even numbers. Yeah. So... You know, I could be sitting there in a conversation counting letters or in a sentence, or if there's a sign nearby, and if it hmm. ends in an odd number, it's uh, disconcerting to me.
1: Huh. Well, I'd say so her, I have to keep counting. I'm not a big fan of one because one is the loneliest number. All right. Uh, two. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay on two. Two's a good number, I guess. Three. Three is three's nice because three's like a three's a you know you're a, a nice odd number. It's a trinity. Uh, four. Eh, yeah, you got the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, so that's pretty good. I like that.
0: Yeah, Four in, in Chinese, Death, right?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of, it's got, you know, some sort of death metal vibe to it, which is nice. Uh, Five, uh, you have the Five Wounds of Christ, so I, I kind of like that. Uh, it's nice and grisly. That's exactly what I thought of. Yeah. <laughs> Six, uh, Unholy Number, so you gotta love that. Um, Seven, as we've been discussing here, lots of great things going for that. Mm-hmm. Eight, you turn it on its side, it's infinity. So yeah, nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. Nine. Uh, we have the nine rings of power from uh, Lord of the Rings, the nine ring wraiths.
0: It's also of the jokester because it can flip upside down and be a six.
1: That's right, and it's a it's also a trinity of trinities, so it's got that going for it. There you go. And ten. I don't know. I kind of lose interest at ten.
0: Well, you know, now you've gone into double digits. Yeah. Um, I would really love to hear from from you guys out there. Do you have a certain sort of number that you really like? Do you have some number obsession going on? And seven, do you you have a particular feeling for it? Do you think there's something to this, the way that our minds are constructed and the way that we paint reality with it?
1: Yeah, Yeah, think about it. And think about it the next time you're you're walking uh – Walking through your video store, if you still go to those, and you should, because they won't be around for long. You should appreciate them while you have them. Uh, check out the titles. Notice the ones that have seven in the number in the title. Notice the ones that have six. That have three. Like, how does it how does it affect you? Like, what is the like instant cognitive impact of that title? Uh, well, you know. Likewise, look at uh, I think the same thing at a bookstore or a library while well, those exist. Indeed, yeah, so we'd love to hear from you on that uh let, let's uh, let's call over the robot and do a just a quick bit of listener mail because I think he may have something that relates to this <laughs> all right here's one that comes to us from uh, Aaron Aaron writes in and says uh, hi Julian Robert. i'm a bit behind at times. I am uh, commenting on episodes you did a year ago, but you'll have to forgive me. I've spent the last uh, year as a Peace Corps volunteer in a rural village in West Africa. I recently finished listening to your episodes on the Seven Deadly Sins, and was especially intrigued by the episode on gluttony. My fellow volunteers and I live mostly in, a, in small rural villages without access to markets or food other than what is grown on the desert-like village land or brought in from a large town each week. We eat with our host families out of, a, out of communal bowls, and while we usually uh, get just enough calories uh, consumed, it's not the food that we are used to in the United States, and it's uh, not high in nutritional value. Think lots of porridge, white rice, and oil. So when I go into the cities and meet up with my friends, we binge. As a recovering health nut, my sister calls my diet reindeer food. Uh, I never thought I was capable of that kind of eating. For example, I ate an entire jar of Nutella in one setting. Remarkably easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, something I wouldn't even touch a year ago. My father recently referred to me as as a sumo wrestler during one of my of the many buffets we enjoyed on a vacation. <laughs> I, I began to call us opportunistic bingers. Here's a nice way of avoiding the word gluttonous. Our circumstances have definitely uh, turned on some evolutionary need may be triggered by being denied what we are used to eating. I think this is uh, true not only of gluttony but other sins as well. Lust, wrath, sloth, and pride have emerged in our lives far more than ever before because of living in a completely different culture or and living in a completely different lifestyle. This sounds blasphemous and I mean no disrespect to any religion or to me uh, and other volunteers but maybe we feel a need to be more gluttonous, lustful, wrathful, slothful, and prideful if we are going to maintain our sense of identity in this new and challenging place. Uh, or maybe we're simply more aware of those tendencies here. Sometimes it feels like we haven't changed. We're just uh, using more of the potential of our personalities, both for the worse and for the better. So back to gluttony. While most of us are not dieting, our minds and bodies are rebelling, subconsciously demanding the food we are not providing. Meanwhile, my host family in my village is not very interested in the foods I make, and they are perfectly satisfied and happy with the food they are used to. It makes me wonder if it was better to have loved uh, than lost the variety and plethora of food in the U.S. than to never have loved it at all. Does the loss of what we once had make us more sinful in trying to fill the void? Two very big hips and a hurrah for opportunistic eaters everywhere. Thanks for the awesome science and stories. You keep me entertained uh, and sane during long, hot days in a foreign land. I make connections between the lives of people here in my village and the science you unveil every day, and I feel more informed and at peace because of it. You help me understand this crazy world within the world. Aaron.
0: Wow, that's, a, that's really interesting. I keep thinking back to one of the studies that talked about um, when you lose something at like 10% of your weight. Mm-hmm that you really your body sort of rewires itself to crave fatty foods, to want mm-hmm. to regain that weight because it thinks that there's something wrong. And it makes it incredibly hard to maintain that weight. Uh, in fact, uh, for someone who is a similar weight but has not lost it, um, you have to expend many more calories exercising to maintain than that other person, such as your your body trying to make up for this loss.
1: Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I, I thought that was a great email. I really enjoyed, uh, particularly uh, the way um, you know Aaron was sort of uh, extrapolating this to the other um, sins that that, uh, that we discussed as well.
0: Yeah, no, I mean it's a very interesting perspective to take. I can't help though, of course, thinking about how your body is sort of gaining the or uh, gaming the gluttony part of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Um, but that's a lot to think about too in terms of maintaining identity. Yeah,
1: yeah. So Aaron. Uh, First of all, thanks for uh, the, the great work you're doing out there, and uh, thanks for writing in and uh, sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, the rest of you can do the same. Uh, there are numerous ways to get in touch with us uh, and find out what we're up to. The, the big one, of course, is go to StuffToBullYourMind.com. That's the mothership. That's where all of our stuff winds up in some form or another and links to everything else we're, we're in. It's the center of the spider's web, and uh, I guess that makes us spiders. But uh, you, can, uh, you can also find us on uh, elsewhere in the web on uh, Facebook. Uh we are stuffed to blow your mind. You can find us on Twitter where we are blow the mind. We have a Tumblr account. Uh, we are stuffed to blow your mind on that as well. And uh, if you uh, head on over to YouTube, you will find our account at mind Stuff show.
0: That's right, you'll see uh, puppets of us talking in video about
1: science. Really? No oh.
0: would,
1: would it be nice Don't though get everybody's I? hopes up like that I maybe, know maybe, I just get excited too. Maybe soon we can that's that's on the table. We could do that. If you think we should do that, let us know.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you want to see puppets of us interacting and us doing some freaky voices? Furthermore, to go along if you with can it?
1: build those puppets, also get <laughs> right. That would be also, uh, would also be helpful.
0: Please do drop us a, a line though and let us know about your thoughts on the number seven, uh, a, a, about puppets and everything else that you can think of. Um, you can do so at com.